0: How do we navigate things like cultural trends, current world events, and disagreement in church? Honest Conversations is a deeper dive into some of your important questions that we don't always have time to cover in a Sunday morning service. Ready to dive in? Let's join Andrew and Brooke for today's Honest Conversation.
1: Are tackling sexuality today, it seems like every day in culture, this is shifting. Mm-hmm. Here we are in 2022, soon to be 2023. Not only is sexuality everywhere, it is now the identifier. Mm. So I want to start with a, a wide view here of sexuality in biblical terms
0: mm-hmm.
1: and why did God create it? Why is it part of the equation? Yes, why is it important to him
0: it's a great question yeah let's start with let's start with the uh, the right thing <laughs> is what I hear you asking like yes so yeah sexuality is is it is part of who we are it is a huge deal it is amazing it is from God and we have to get confident and secure in that to have proper foundation on how to address perversions in our world. So uh, we believe that God is, we believe that God created us in his image, that he created man, male, and female, that marriage is between a man and a woman for life. And that the, that that marriage is a mysterious it is the mystery of Christ in the church. So marriage isn't a first thing. Marriage is a reflection of something. It's a reflection of Christ in the church. So it is, it is a holy covenant, and you know a lot of the church history has called it a sacrament, uh, uh, even a means of the grace of God, because it is a reflection of something of God, which is the relationship of Christ with the church, and then. God gave marriage for the sake of unity as a reflection of Christ in the church. The two becoming one flesh, which is a radical act of creation and recreation and revelation of God. So that's huge. And then that's where children come from, which is to fulfill the first commission and the last commission, you know, of, of be fruitful and, and multiply and fill the earth with the glory of God. So sexuality fits in there. Obviously it's a huge, sex is a huge part of that. Sex is from God. It's by his design. It's integrated into the entire framework of humanity and existence. So this is a great thing that we should understand, that we should celebrate, that we should value, and we should treat as valuable because it is, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be holy it's supposed to be defined by God instructed by God led by God and honor God and that's when it's at its best I'll stop
1: the Bible lists a lot of examples of sexual immorality uh-huh. homosexual homosexuality being one uh, and probably the one that has caused the most extreme division within the church. Uh, In fact, we're seeing the American Christian church really shift on this issue at
0: record speed at this Mm -hmm. point.
1: Is homosexuality a sin?
0: Mm. Yeah, it is because it goes against everything that we just outlined that is of God.
1: But if we are created in his image Mm -hmm. and somebody is born homosexual, aren't they created in his image? That's
0: a great question. The fact that we're created in the image of God means that we are created to reflect him and be that our true self is found in the image of him, not that the image of him is found in our true self. And that's where we get sideways from the beginning. So all of us, we believe in original sin, that we have inherited sin, and we are sinful in our nature. And so we all have tendencies against God in our own flesh and in our sinful flesh. And we all have to be born again to become, uh, recreated to become a new creation by the grace of God so that we can put to death, the old self and put on the new self that is growing in righteousness, not towards our self actualization, but towards the image of Christ Christ and in the image of Christ. So that goes back to our personality conversation that we had a few weeks ago. Tease that out more. What, what did I not get into? So you
1: are saying that people can be born with those desires.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're all born with lots of desires that don't line up with God and that need to be uh, either <laughs> desires that need to be killed or disciplined. <laughs> so... Uh, sinful desires need to be killed and righteous desires need to be disciplined and inflamed so that they can grow in our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strength and become, become fully alive, being satisfied in the presence and in the gift of God. Which means whatever your desire is that goes against the things of God need to be, needs to bend to God's image. God doesn't need to bend to your image. So people who have same-sex attraction or whatever, need to submit their sexuality to God in the same way that a heterosexual who wants to have sex with more women than just his wife needs to submit his sexual desires to the image of God.
1: What would you say to people who say, yeah, that's all well and good, except that person has a wife? Mm -hmm. Are you telling somebody with desires for same-sex attraction that, sorry, sorry about you, you just can't act on any of your sexual inclinations? Mm.
0: Uh, I'm saying you can't act on your unholy sexual inclinations. And uh, no one is permitted to, no one is permitted by God to act on their unholy sexual inclinations just because, just because they have them. That's not a reason to participate in sin. It's not a good reason before God to say, well, I did it because I felt like it. Like it doesn't, it's not a good excuse. What what are you thinking?
1: Well, the Bible is clear that homosexuality is a sin. Mm -hmm. Jesus never specifically addressed it. I, I hear that argument offered a lot. Um, and that, that may be an old Testament thing, but it doesn't matter to
0: Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's not true. I mean, uh, it may be true that Jesus said, uh, didn't say something specific about homosexuality. It's not true that it's an old Testament thing or that Jesus doesn't care. So to say that while Jesus didn't address it, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. So what about the rest of the Bible? And sexual immorality as a grave sin and as a clearly defined sin is crystal clear start to finish throughout the whole Bible. So what sex is and sexuality is supposed to be is crystal clear from start to finish all through the Bible, before and after the cross, all of it. Sexual immorality as a grave sin against God is also... Old Testament, New Testament, it always seems to make the list of sins that are listed of like big deals. so it's, uh, and which is important to say, like homosexuality isn't the only thing on those lists. Like there's other things on the list that we all need to pay attention to. So, We all need to deal with our sin. We need to deal with our inclinations towards gossip and rage and towards sexual morality. We have to deal with these things, and we have to submit them to God and make him the King and Lord of our lives and to pursue holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit in our new flesh. We have to give ourselves to that, no matter what the journey looks like. So I think back to one of your previous questions, like, well, if if I have same-sex attraction and I can't act on that, how am I ever going to be sexually fulfilled or am I hopeless and all of that sort of thing. And that, that's a real, that's a hard question, but the answer is, starts with you're in the same boat as everyone else in the sense that you have to submit your sexuality to God because there are, everyone is asking that question. Everyone is asking the question, which is the reason why there's so much sexual immorality. Because people are answering the question with a no. But the question everyone's really everyone's asking is like, is there really any way that I can follow God and actually be sexually fulfilled?
1: Mm.
0: Heterosexuals are asking that, homosexuals are asking that. Mm. Everybody's asking that. Everybody looks at sex only in the context. Of a monogamous marriage between one man and one woman for life. Everyone looks at that and is like, no way. Mm. No way that's going to be what I want. So you either trust God or you don't. And you've got to head on that road, which starts with not, it doesn't start with, okay, I'll get married and try it. Right. (laughs) Not good advice. No, no. It's like, so you start by living that way.
1: Wow. There are a growing number of churches and Christians um, beginning uh, to—affirming, you know, homosexuality. Mm. Is there grace to live within that disagreement as Christians?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Is this an issue that should be as divisive as it
0: is? Mm. It's a good question. It's a very intense and divisive issue because it is, as we've talked about on the podcast, I, I, it does deal with a lot of ultimate things, which I think is why it's so divisive is because it, it does get down to the nitty gritty of like, it gets real down into the center of everything. To the point where I, I think that it gets as central as the imagio Dei, the image of God, humanity, humans, and individuals created in the image of God. I think that's, that the, the world we're living in is dealing with that question because—OK, um, okay, say it clearly. Again, to hit on the principle I've mentioned right now and previously in the personality episode— If we're made in the image of God, then our full self is realized in God, not in ourself. So that means that my life is found. That means that Jesus is the life, not Andrew is the life. Andrew's life is not found in Andrew. Andrew's life is found in Jesus. That's my step of faith. That's my my belief. That's what what Jesus teaches me when he says, Jesus said, I am the life, he's telling me that. Andrew is not the life, but Jesus is the life. And to be made in the image of God, again, means that to be myself, find myself, live live as myself, I have to reflect the image of God and I have to be more sanctified into his image, not into my own image, separate from him. Is that making sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So... If you look over the last couple hundred years specifically for us in our culture and where our thinking comes from, we've gotten, we're inheriting a couple hundred years of being taught what the self is and how to find yourself. So... There's there's another podcast called Ideology by a couple of other Antioch guys out of Waco, so Ideology. They just did a four part series on. I didn't plan on saying this, so on uh, they did a review of a book by I think the guy's name is Carl Truman, and I think it was called the the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. I'm impressing myself right now. I'm remembering <laughs> this. Uh, they did a review on that four part series, and I was I was listening to that. And they, it's worth time, it's worth putting in extra time if you want to listen on this more. But essentially, part of the point of that book is it connects that back at Rousseau made us a psychologized self, which was to find yourself, you need to get into your psychology. That's where you're going to find yourself. And that's how you can identify yourself is based on how you think that's what's going to be the most you. Then Marx made the self political, that you only have an identity of self in the political realm. So you're not really just an individual. You are part of the group and you are who you are politically. And then Freud sexualized the self. And that's where a lot of, that was like a huge jump in centralizing sexuality as the source of identity. So that's where I'm trying to get to with all of this Mm -hmm. is that God teaches us that our self is found and defined and shaped and purposed for him. Our culture is discipling us that we are who we are sexually, not we are who we are in God. So that's, the, that's the, where the division comes from, is that this becomes this issue of like, well, if you say I can't be gay, you're, you're attacking my person, my personhood. And so that's why it's become so deep and so complicated. It's like, well, shoot, I'm not saying you're not a real person or you, you know, like, wow, this gets really confusing. And then church is like, well, we, need, we want to affirm people and they're made in the image of God. And so, and all, you know, and all that's where the, that's how the train of thought gets going is that we are who we are as defined by sex. Sex defines who we are. And that's just not true. But when you start with that first principle, that's why it gets so divisive to say, no, my first principle is that we are who we are in God and by God and for God and from God. So we have to line up with him instead of why I have to line up with my sexual desires. So that's an early diversion, which I think explains a lot of the -hmm. divide.
1: What would you say to somebody who came up to you who is a Christian and loves Jesus and just says, Andrew, I just can't. I can't rectify this one. Like Mm -hmm. I I have a child who's gay or I, you know, have a best friend or whomever. Um, And they're wonderful and they're in a loving, committed relationship. And I just, I can't, I can't come against them in that way. How would you pastor them in that?
0: So to pastor the person that's talking to me as that person, I believe that, pastorally, it's my responsibility before God to lead people in the truth and care for their souls in that way. So it's to say, Hey, I, I understand the relational difficulty here and let's, and I'm, I'm here for it, like to help navigate some of this stuff. Cause let's let's do that together. Let's dive in together. But first things first, you have to decide where you're at. You have to decide before God personally where you're at on this thing. You have to decide if you agree with God or if you don't. And that's what's most important. You've got to be right before God before you even start doing with this other stuff. So you can't you can't ignore it and and I can't go with you on the relational stuff if we're not together on the first thing. So I love you and I'm, I'm here for you, but like, uh, I can't, I can't help you. If I can't help you navigate these things and like, let's meet with, let's pray and <laughs> let's do this. Let's dive in. But I, how are we going to do that if we don't even agree on first things mm. before God? And as you know, I fear God enough, to say like, that's where I, he's going to judge me for the counsel I give you, (laughs) you know, so I've got to, I've got to be clear on that.
1: For those who, um, do have a solid understanding or belief system on this issue, is it worth taking a stand on? Um, we've seen a lot of ugliness within the church and the Mm. political sphere on this issue. A lot of hurt people. Um, is this something that is worth taking a stand on or is it okay to just have your own belief Mm. system in place in your heart?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Can you get a little more specific on what type of stand you're talking about or what do you mean when you say take a stand? Let's talk, you know,
1: legislation, um, gay marriage, you know, why does it matter to us what Mm. other people do Mm. in their own love lives? You know.
0: Totally. That's a great question. So legislation, again. So um, in the abortion episode, we talked about what's the point of law and government, and that's to protect rights in a sane sane society that can build itself. Uh, I believe biblically, the family is the foundation of society. So law should exist to protect and empower and incentivize and glorify the family, because that's what's going to be the most healthy for society, because it's the most helpful, because it's the most healthy thing for families, which means it's the most healthy thing for individuals. So that's where you get taking the stand on the legislation to say that, like, uh so biblically like gay marriage like a gay marriage before like before god that's not really there's not an actual marriage there there's not a man and a woman becoming one flesh that reflects christ in the church so what is so what is it it's then just kind of a legal union which doesn't line up with the responsibility of law and government to protect and build the family because that doesn't
1: yeah well i'm going to push back a little bit because um divorce isn't illegal Mm
0: -hmm.
1: why aren't we fighting for divorce to be made illegal we probably
0: should be really i mean no fault divorce is like is a is an unspoken tragedy in our nation
1: Mm. okay Some Christians, sorry. not expecting I, you to I, say I wasn't it. expecting that. I have to process that <laughs> yeah, one a little fair. bit. That might be another maybe, episode. <laughs> maybe it will be. <laughs> maybe it will be. <laughs> um, there is this divine balance of, of truth and love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how do we truly love those we disagree with, especially in this context where, um, man, you don't agree with certain things? you're going to get labeled pretty mm-hmm. quickly as, as hateful, bigot. Um, how do we truly love people and the way Jesus would? Because, you know, Jesus, that's who he was drawn to, you know, people who um, were struggling, the the marginalized. How do we, how do we walk out Jesus's love in this area?
0: It's a good question. I think that hits on, part of the question you asked earlier that I didn't really talk to. <laughs> so I'll try to go back to that a little bit and then we'll, cause there's a lot there. I think those are really good questions. Um, we, uh, we shouldn't be mad at people like for their sexual morality in the sense of like um, angry at them about like, and, and, and magnifying uh Magnifying, for example, like uh for a lot of people, maybe like homosexuality gets its own category of like, it's the unforgivable sin right. that makes me feel better about my own sin, right. about my gossip and rage. That's also on the same list as exactly. sexual morality. Yeah, <laughs> We just, you got, we got to call that what it is and not do that. And so where that has happened, that's not helpful and it is hurtful and needs to be addressed. So... Uh, I don't know exactly what that addresses that you asked, but I think it's a comment worth (laughs) worth making. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we talked about like affirming and and I think this comes into, so the question you're asking about how do we love people like Jesus is, that's actually really multi-layered. There's the church, for example, like how do we walk this out in the church? Jesus was, you know, drawn to the marginalized and all this sort of stuff. And that's true. And it's also, that can also become a, a fairly imprecise comment. Because we can say well uh, Jesus was drawn to the marginalized, the LGBTq community is fighting for equal rights in our society, therefore they 're marginalized, and i that 's not that's that 's not a connection, <laughs> so Jesus was drawn." to yeah like the weak and the the poor and in loving them and he was always abundantly clear about the need for repentance So everybody is drawn to Jesus. People will say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, so we need to hang out with sinners too. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's more that like sinners hung out with Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they were drawn to Jesus because the most relevant thing to all of humanity is not fame or cool factor or money, even it's holiness, because that's what we're most hungry for and in need for and bankrupt of is holiness. So Jesus is attractive because he's holy and he can and he can make us holy. So we're drawn to him, but we leave quickly if we don't want to be holy. Mm. <laughs> if we if we don't want to repent. Yeah. So the only people who stuck around Jesus who stuck were humble and repentant people. People didn't stick with Jesus just because they were having a hard time. They stuck around Jesus because they, they then wanted Jesus. They wanted to follow him. The church, how does the church deal with this? You know, like can gay people come to church and all that sort of thing. And it's like, well, yeah. uh, Can gay people come to church? Yeah, we, we have had, and might right now have gay people in, in uh, that come to church, but the church the church is for repentant people. That's That's where we're all at, is we're here because we have repented and are repenting. And that is the road we are on. We are on the road of repentance. So if any one of us stops repenting, the church will move on without us. Because we're going towards Jesus. We're on the journey of sanctification. We are walking on the upward call of Christ Jesus. We are headed towards that city whose foundation is built and set by God. That's, we are ascending the hill of the Lord. That's what we're doing. That's what we're here to do. It goes into the communion conversation we had. Why are we worshiping? Why are we sitting under the word of God every week? It's not for motivation and it's not just for encouragement. It is for what the Bible says, which is like teaching, rebuking, correcting, reproving, training so that we can be equipped for every perfect work and work of righteousness. Like that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to do that, then You're not, you're not part of the church Mm -hmm. and you're not part of the purpose of the church and you're not participating in God's will for the church.
1: Yeah. We are getting into, um, even more complicated territory. Most recently, it used to be that sexuality was set aside for adults. And, Mm. um, now with, um, A bigger trans movement, we are seeing children brought into the fray, Um, we're seeing homosexuality um, discussed, not only discussed, but um, acted out in in children, in elementary schools. How do we address this topic that used to be for adults um, now with our kids?
0: Hmm. Fun stuff. Mm, Right? Yeah. The important part of your question, I think, is at the very end when you said with our kids. So, first, we have to take right responsibility for our kids and be desperate for and heed God's instruction for how we, are, we ought to raise our kids. So, it starts with parents have to be parents. And us Christians, we've got a parent, we have to be mothers and fathers to our children, and we have to do it the way God says to do it. So it starts with we can't, we can't be floppy on this stuff and unclear and undecided. And there's there's a lot of people who are in that boat, like, I just don't know. Like it's so hard to like I have a friend and all these sort of things. And it's like, again, the relational consequences of being a repentant Christian in relationship with people who are living and wanting to live in unrepentant sin are very real. It's, these are the things that make the gospel and Christianity and our faith that make it real. The heat that's getting turned up is not because we're getting more dogmatic or unloving or prudish or fundamentalist. The heat is getting turned up because we're being forced to actually be who we say we are at the most basic levels. We're being forced to actually decide if we really want to live holy or not. And that that button is getting pushed on every level, everywhere that we turn. So that's why it feels like this. It's not because this is extreme. It's because you can't get away with it anymore. You've got to make decisions on things. I don't know how I got on that, but...
1: Well, with kids, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. You know, right. how you talk to kids, it's like you're saying, come at it clear.
0: Well, I'm saying first, first, adults have to come at it clear. Yeah. Adults have to grow up and be adult Christians and say, I am going to make up my mind on things of holiness. I'm going to make up my mind on matters of sin for me and my house. Men need to stand up in their house and say, this is the way that we go. This is the way that God's called us to be. This is my house and my family, and I'm responsible to God for it. And so I'm going to lead us towards the things of God, starting with me. I'm going to be secure and confident in Jesus. I'm going to be desperate for God. I'm going to know how to pray. I'm going to know what righteousness is. I'm going to know what holiness is. And if I don't, I'm going to find out. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to call my pastor. I'm going to reach out to the men of my life group. I'm not watching the football game until I get an answer to this thing. You know, like we've got to do this. So talking to the kids first starts with talking to yourself. Do you have an answer to these questions? And are you ready? Are you ready to give an answer to to these questions? And the first people you should be giving an answer to these questions to is your children. <laughs> because they are being fed answers to these questions. And they need mom and dad to be a man and woman of God and to and to speak into their lives and disciple them and raise them in the things of God. So I I agree with everything I just said but <laughs> that I'm it's still broad because you know different kids are in different not even just different schools but different classrooms and so you know your child in the same school could be facing or not facing the same things that your neighbor's child is facing in literally the classroom next door, depending on teachers and kids and all that sort of stuff, or what school they go to, all kinds of different things. So, which go (laughs) so, uh, so specifically, so to be precise, you have to be in your child's world and you've got to know what's going on. And a lot of the I think we should pause this and we should pick this up for our next episode. Ooh.
1: Because
0: <laughs> there's a lot to go on. Okay. Here. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot. Talking to kids about tough
0: topics. Yeah. Next week. Yes, let's do it. All right. Thanks,
1: Andrew.